Hello, this is Diksha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 9th of November. India recorded over 10,000 new COVID-19 cases and 332 deaths in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally stands at over 3 crore 43 lakh, while the death toll has crossed 4 lakh 61,000. The United Kingdom government announced on Monday that it will recognize all COVID-19 vaccines approved by the World Health Organization for emergency use from 4 a.m. on November 22. This means that Indian Pharma Bharat Biotech's Covaxin will also be recognized by the United Kingdom government, which in turn means that those who have been fully vaccinated with Covaxin will not have to take pre-departure COVID-19 tests, self-isolate on arrival in the United Kingdom, or need to take a test on the eighth day of their arrival in the country. Scroll.in reported that the travellers, however, will have to pay for a lateral flow test for COVID-19 before the second day of their arrival ends. A lateral flow test is a swab test which gives results in 15 to 30 minutes. In Maharashtra, the Thane Municipal Corporation announced that it will not pay salaries to those employees who have not taken even one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. PTI reported that employees who have not taken their second jab on time will also not be paid salaries. Globally, COVID-19 has affected over 250 million people, claiming the lives of more than 5 million. A fire that broke out in a hospital in Madhya Pradesh's Bhopal on Monday claimed the lives of four infants. As per Jubair Khan, the head of the Fatehgar fire station in Bhopal, the fire began at around 9pm on the third floor of the Kamla Nehru Children's Hospital, where the intensive care unit is located. The Madhya Pradesh Medical Education Minister Vishwas Sarang said that the blaze may have started due to a short circuit. The state government will provide a compensation of Rs 4 lakh to the relatives of the children who died. Sarang added that the situation is now completely under control. Chief Minister Shivrat Singh Chauhan expressed remorse on the incident but added that the rescue efforts were carried out swiftly. He announced a high-level investigation into the case to be conducted by additional Chief Secretary Mohammad Suleiman. Today, Chauhan ordered a fire safety audit of all government and private hospitals in the state. The chief minister said that the fire at the Bhopal hospital was a result of criminal negligence, adding that the guilty will not be spared. He said, and I quote, It was our responsibility to save these children as they were under our protection. This is a serious incident, unquote. Monday's fire in Bhopal follows an incident of a blaze that erupted in a civil hospital in Ahmednagar, Maharashtra, claiming the lives of 11 people. Speaking of Madhya Pradesh, I'd like to tell you something about the lives of journalists working in a particular newsbeat in Madhya Pradesh. Let me read you an excerpt from my colleague Akansha Kumar's report on it on newslaundry.com. Pradeep Gangle, an independent journalist in MP, was following up on a lead on illegal sand mining on July 1 this year. He found mounds of sand stored in Khargon district's Umarkhali village, which could potentially be loaded into 1,000 trolleys. He wanted a response from the concerned government official for his story, so he went to the office of the district mining officer, where five other reporters were also waiting to get a response. The official, who ignored them that evening, filed an FIR against all six reporters the next day, accusing them of hurling caste abuses at him. But this was not an isolated incident, or even the worst incident of intimidation against journalists reporting on illegal sand mining in Madhya Pradesh. Reporters have even been threatened and killed for their reporting on the subject in the past. Read Akansha's full report on newslaundry.com to know more about the dangers of reporting on illegal sand mining in the state. It is titled, FIR's Intimidation and Death, 
reporting on sand mining remains perilous in Madhya Pradesh. Listeners, here at News Laundry, we strive to bring you such stories that matter. Voices that often get lost on a certain section of the media, where only high decibel shouting matches can be heard these days, often without any substance and laced with inflammatory narratives and even misinformation. So, if you want news to be news in the strict sense of the word, support our independent journalism today, because we cannot go on without your support. We are funded solely by our subscribers who pay to power our coverage. Even this podcast you're listening to is made possible by our subscribers. So, if you like our work and want us to bring out more such stories that matter, go to newslaundry.com today and hit that red subscribe button on the top right corner. Lowest subscriptions start at 300 rupees a month only. The Madras High Court today pulled up Chennai's civic body for floods resulting from heavy rain in the city for the past three days. At least five people have died in Tamil Nadu so far due to rain-related incidents. A red alert was issued today by the Regional Meteorological Department till November 11 for some parts of Tamil Nadu. Over 1,400 people have been moved to relief camps so far. The Hindu reported that the Madras High Court said it would start sewer motor proceedings in the matter if the situation did not improve soon. A bench led by the Chief Justice of the Madras High Court, Sanjeev Banerjee, asked the Greater Chennai Corporation, and I quote, What have you been doing since 2015 floods? It is a pity that half the year we long for water and the rest of the year we are flooded or die in water. Unquote. The 2015 Chennai floods were the worst to hit the city in nearly a century, they claimed the lives of 289 people, submerged 23.25 lakh homes and disrupted power and telecommunication services. The High Court brought up the flooding in Chennai while hearing a public interest litigation on another civic matter about the road widening in the city. Justice Audi K. Savalu, also on the bench, said that the encroachment of water bodies was the main reason of flooding in Chennai, adding that Chennai's civic body should have taken necessary steps to avoid such a situation. He said, and I quote, We are not a backward state. We are the most advanced state on many parameters. This cannot be the state of a leading state in the country. Unquote. The India Meteorological Department said that very heavy rains would affect Tamil Nadu's Nilgiris, Coimbatore, Dindigul, Theni, Tenkasi and Tirunelveli cities today, adding that Chennai was also expected to receive more heavy rain. 48 relief camps have been set up in the city, where a total of over 1,100 people have taken shelter. Delhi has reported nine deaths due to the dengue outbreak this year, which is the highest since 2017, when 10 people had died in the capital because of dengue. The Indian Express reported today that Delhi has registered 2,708 dengue cases this year till November 6, which is the highest since 2018. According to NDTV, Delhi logged 1,171 dengue cases from November 1 to November 6 alone. The Hindustan Times reported, citing unidentified officials, that six out of the nine reported dengue deaths this year were of children. Dengue is transmitted by the female Aedes mosquito, which breeds in open drains and stagnant pools of water. Last week, the central government had sent expert teams to Delhi, Haryana, Punjab, Kerala, Rajasthan, Tamil Nadu, Uttar Pradesh, Uttarakhand and Jammu and Kashmir to help contain the spread of the dengue outbreak. Meanwhile, the Delhi High Court today directed Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal's Ahmadmi Party government and the Bharatiya Janta Party-led North Delhi Municipal Corporation to respond to a petition seeking adequate measures to contain the dengue outbreak. 
The plea was filed by a dengue patient from North Delhi's model town area, accusing the authorities of not taking action to contain the infection. In her plea, the petitioner said that the authorities should regularly spray insecticides in the area, conduct door-to-door awareness campaigns, and form teams to inspect dengue larvae in areas and levy penalties for non-compliance. The High Court has posted the matter for hearing on November 18. Mizoram Chief Minister Zoram Thanga has requested the Union Home Minister Amit Shah to reconsider the appointment of the state's new Chief Secretary. Zoram Thanga, in a letter dated October 29, said that the new Chief Secretary, Renu Sharma, does not know the Mizo language, also noting that several ministers in his cabinet do not understand Hindi. Renu Sharma, a 1988 batch IAS officer, was appointed by the centre on October 28 as Mizoram's new Chief Secretary and she was scheduled to take charge from November 1. On the same day, however, the state government directed J.C. Ramthanga to take charge as the Chief Secretary. In the letter, the Chief Minister mentioned that some of his co-workers in the cabinet even faced difficulty understanding English. The letter said, and I quote, With such background, a Chief Secretary without the knowledge of a working standard Mizo language will never be an effective and efficient Chief Secretary. Due to this fact, the Government of India never posted a Chief Secretary who does not know the working standard of Mizo language since the creation of the state of Mizoram. Unquote. Zoram Thanga urged Amit Shah to appoint Ram Thanga as the new Chief Secretary, adding that he has been a faithful partner of the BJP-led National Democratic Alliance since the start. Hundreds of migrants gathered at Belarus's border with Poland today, with heavy deployment of Polish armed forces blocking their entry into the European Union, in what was seen as an escalation of the months-long migrant crisis. BBC reported that Poland has warned of a possible armed escalation of the migrant crisis on its border, alleging that its neighbour Belarus is trying to orchestrate a refugee crisis. Reuters reported that Poland and other European Union members have accused Belarus of encouraging illegal migrants from the Middle East, Afghanistan and Africa to cross the border into the EU in revenge for sanctions already imposed on the Belarusian capital Minsk over human rights abuses. The EU had imposed sanctions on Belarus after its disputed president Alexander Lukashenko's crackdown on mass protests after last year's discredited presidential election. Polish government spokesperson Piotr Muller said that there were currently 3,000 to 4,000 migrants near the border and more than 10,000 others across Belarus ready to attempt crossing into Poland. The head of Poland's National Security Department, Stanislaw Zarin, said that Belarus wants to cause a major incident, preferably with shots fired and casualties. The Belarusian Defence Ministry, however, has called the statements unsubstantiated. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.